Anthony Taylor here with the Strategy Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Cecilia Reyes, who is a Planning and Operations Manager at the David Suzuki Foundation. Cecilia, how are you today? I'm doing really well. Thanks, Anthony. How are you? I'm doing awesome. It's a beautiful day out, and I'm full of energy, and I just took a power nap, so I'm feeling good. It's <laughs> <laughs> so not often how you start a podcast like that, but we know each other, so it's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much for uh, dedicating the time. I know when we first met through a, a mutual friend and your husband, uh, we, uh, I got to learn a bit about what you do, but why don't you tell our listeners, uh, who are like managers and leaders in nonprofit and for-profit enterprise, a bit about you, your role, and a bit about the David Suzuki Foundation. Sure. Uh, so I work for an environmental nonprofit organization. We're a Canadian organization with um, head offices in Vancouver, but also with offices in Vancouver, sorry, in um, Toronto, in Montreal, and in Ottawa. And uh, we work on environmental challenges for Canada. So we, our work focuses on climate solutions, finding climate solutions, um, establishing environmental rights for Canadians, and on um, biodiversity challenges for Canada. So my work is really on the planning and the reporting side of things. So I put together their annual plans for the organization, and then most recently, I've led us through a strategic planning process that will guide our work from 2017 through to 2019. Fantastic. So that must have been a, a process on its own, getting all that. How many people are in the organization? About 80 across Canada. 80 across Canada, and then I can't yeah. even begin to imagine the amount of stakeholders that you have to engage with. Lots of stakeholders. I mean, lots of external stakeholders. Um, some of those relationships are pretty unique, uh, depending on what region you're functioning in. Um, but one of the things that I find with our organization is our internal stakeholders are so key. Um, we have a bit of a culture of like a bit of a family culture in a sense. And so everybody kind of wants to have a say in everything that you do and all of the decisions that you make, especially the strategic decisions. Um, people here are so invested in the mission and the mandate of the organization. All of our staff are super passionate um, about what we do. And so they, they want to have a say, they want to feel super excited to wake up and go to work and contribute to um, finding solutions to all of our environmental challenges. So trying to keep people excited, um, but not let the process explode <laughs> into unwieldiness can be, uh, can be a little bit tough. Yeah, absolutely. So if, what I get from that is that you need to, there's a lot of people you have to engage in the process that are really bought into it, but then you also have to manage the, the control and, and keep sc scope under control as you move these things forward. Is that right? Totally. Yeah. Totally. Excellent. So um, can you, I'd love to ask you, I mean, can you tell us a bit about what it looks like? A lot of people, you know, might not have ever put a strategic plan together, but if you can maybe speak a minute or two about like the snapshot of what you had to do to put together this strategic plan. Sure. So process wise, um, I can talk a little bit about the process and then if you like, I can talk a little bit about the finished product. Um, so process wise, um, I had to get our, our leadership team, so our senior management team together and our board of directors uh, together and have everybody agree on what were we trying to accomplish. So uh, what's the scope of this plan? Uh, and then based on the scope, um, had to design a process that would kind of get us to the finish line. Um, I had to design a lot of, um, of staff consultations, staff and board level consultations into this. So this is the basics of stakeholder consultation for us. Um, so that was um, a big part of the process. Uh, and then 
after we did some um, a lot of consultation with staff, and we actually had to develop the the guts of the plan. Uh, so that meant figuring out, you know, what are our goals for the organization? Um, what are the specific objectives that we wanted to achieve? Um, putting all of that stuff together, vetting it as a team, and then um, putting it down on paper and editing it so that it was clear and concise and told a really um, told a tight story, but also an inspiring story about the work that we're going to be doing over the course of the next few years. Absolutely. And how long would you say, I mean, you're, you're internal and you've been with the organization for, is it like nine years now? Like yeah, eight or nine years. So, mm -hmm. I mean, you've seen your, your, your share of plans, but you know, how would you say to develop this next scope of it? How long would you say that, that process all told took? And a, that's a hard to answer question. But. We started we started in August of last year, and then we had the plan approved at the end of February. So that took like I'd say it took about six months to put it all together for yeah about five or six months. Um, I would have liked to have a little bit more time, so I would say you know eight months, seven or eight months would have been really ideal for us. Uh, there were definitely some pieces that were a bit rushed, but um, yeah, it took about yeah between six and seven months I would say. Cool. And how long was the scope of the plan? Just I think, like how long is it, uh, like a three-year or five-year? It's a two-year plan. Okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, it's a two-year plan. Um, our first, this is our, one of our, this is our second strategic plan for the organization. Our first one was five years, uh, and then our board asked us, uh, asked us to do a two-year plan, so. Excellent. Well, I mean, I think I, as things change quickly, especially in tumultuous times when you have, you know, leadership, government, like, different government changes in an organization like yours. I don't blame them for wanting a, a shorter scope because there's only so much you can control when you have these external factors. So, so Exactly. You know. We also had some pretty significant internal factors actually that um, led to the board wanting us to do a two-year plan. Um, we're having some change happening at the leadership level. So our board chair, who'd been with us as the chair for almost 10 years, um, was stepping aside. So we were, uh, we knew that we'd have new board leadership. And our CEO, um, who's been with the organization for about eight years, um, had also made the decision to, um, to finish up his work with us. So we knew that we'd be recruiting a new CEO. We knew that we'd have new board leadership. We knew that there was going to be a lot of change happening. So we wanted to have a two-year plan that would give us some stability during those leadership changes, but that would also leave some time and some flexibility for the new leaders to really put their stamp on the organization, and but also have um, some time to ramp up into their knowledge about the organization and how we work. Yeah, that makes total sense. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for giving us the backstory. And, you know, it's a little bit more deeper dive than we would go into, but I know that the process that you went through was thorough. And for a lot of organizations out there, you know, they just don't need know how to do a scope like that. So that's... Uh, Mm -hmm. Super cool. So, uh, I mean, getting right to you and your work, uh, what would you say as you move forward into this implementation process or looking back on the ones that you've already implemented on, what are some of the things that you would recommend for a nonprofit or a for-profit to, to really uh, develop that strategy moving forward and like execute on it? So... I would say like for executing on strategy, I mean, part of it is really... I'd say that part of it is pretty clearly linked to how you develop your plan. So if you want to execute well on strategy, you need to have a plan that um, that enables that. So a plan that has really clear goals, that has really clear objectives, that um, starts to lay out some of the accountabilities. Those are a foundation for being able to execute well on strategy over the course of you know two years, five years, that type of thing. Uh, if you don't know what you're working towards, how do you know if you're actually accomplishing it? Um, so that would be one piece. Um, 
I'd say that for actually executing well on strategy, it's really important to create and to maintain a coalition of people who are going to support the strategy and who will front it to their teams. So you need to have like visible, powerful cheerleaders. Now, that's not necessarily just the CEO or managers. Those are really important people to have online with your strategy and to be clear that this is, you know, the strategy for your organization and this is the this has the full support of, of the leadership team. But it's also important to find some influencers on your staff, uh, people who um, who have influence with just individuals in general, people who have influence with teams, get those people online, get them on board with you, make an effort to involve them in the process, to involve them in, to make sure that they know what the strategy is all about and why it's important for the organization. Make them allies, basically, in the strategy. Yeah, absolutely. Do you find that um, with when you're getting those influencers, the, the, the people that you get are different depending on what stage of the plan you're at or what strategic priorities you might have? Yeah, yeah, they are. I mean, the people that you'd have online uh, during the planning stage, it's sometimes it's more around process. So who would want to be involved, making sure that you've got all of those people at the table. And then during implementation, it's kind of more along uh, the lines of the people who who are looking to the long term, who are looking to the future, and uh, who feel like they really have a stake in the organization and who can, who can talk to other people in the organization about the value of the strategy that you're implementing and how that builds uh, value for the whole organization. Yeah, absolutely. I totally get that. So uh, yeah, I definitely heard the, you know, the execution tied to development. So making sure that there's the accountability and then getting the people involved. And then one of the last pieces that you had brought up when it comes to the process for creating your strategy was uh, creating a tight story. So can you speak Mm -hmm. to the importance of storytelling when it, uh, in regards to the getting buy-in? Yeah. Um, with storytelling, um, it needs to be, you need your staff, you need your board, you need your donors, your stakeholders to really clearly understand what is the work that we're doing. Um, and so when, you know, we sometimes think about having an elevator pitch to describe our organization or our business, I think of it in the same way for a strategic plan. You need to have an elevator pitch for your strategic plan. You need to be able to talk about your plan and what you're going to be accomplishing within like two minutes. It needs to be quick. It needs to be kind of punchy uh, and it needs to resonate with people. So when you're planning out your work and thinking about what are the different categories that you might be using to describe your work, um, you know, we grouped it in threes. So we have three high-level goals around climate solutions, around environmental rights, around um, biodiversity. And within each of those, we had some categories, um, a maximum of like five categories for each of them uh, that helped to illuminate what those goals actually were. Um, so we, we made a lot of effort to to make the the outline and the structure as clear as possible so that we could tell that interesting story to staff so that they, they would get it immediately to, um, to our board of directors so that they could pass that same story along to their contacts and to their networks. Um, and then it just becomes this like self-perpetuating thing where everybody truly does understand the purpose of the work and where are we going with it. Cool. I totally get that. So, I mean, uh, when it comes to aligning the strategy itself, so this like conceptual high level idea and then performance, so execution, um, what are some of the practices that you've seen either in your work or, you know, that really tie into having success and getting things done? Um, like the first thing that you spoke to that, the, you know, the high level goals and then the subcategories, but then how do you get translate that into actual execution? 
So I think of it kind of from a nesting dolls approach. So um, at the kind of at the outside, there's this high level strategic plan. And then after your strategic plan, there needs to be linkages between your strategic plan and an annual operating plan. Um, and then there needs to be linkages between your operating plan and your project plans and individual work plans. And so ultimately, your staff should be able to draw a connection between something that's on an individual work plan and the strategic plan. There should be a clear line of sight, a clear understanding between what somebody is doing on the ground in their day-to-day -day and how that is going to be helping to accomplish a strategic objective. And if you don't have those clear lines, then everything gets really fuzzy and nobody's really going to know if what they're doing is actually going to help you get to your strategic goals. Cool. I, I totally get that. And I love the visual of the nesting dolls. Um, so within all of that, how do you go about disseminating that information? Because I think for a lot of us, it seems intuitive, but then when it gets mm -hmm. to like actually on the ground and, and not everybody has a full-time, you know, like chief strategy officer or project coordinator internal, um, what are some of the things that they might be able to take away today to get that uh, alignment between the top down and the bottom up strategy a little bit more tight? Well, I'd say it's really all about representing your plan. So if you don't have a chief strategy officer, if you don't have a planning manager, somebody who can you know stand up in front of everybody and, and kind of in a sense hit you over the head with a strategic plan, then that's something that the leadership team and that and that frontline managers need to take responsibility for is really telling the story of the plan and making it really clear to their staff how they connect up into it. And if that's done in team meetings, if that's done in performance planning and one-on-one -on -one sessions, it's an it's a step that's totally vital. If your staff don't understand the plan and if they don't understand how they feed into it nothing's going to happen uh, so your your directors or sorry your your managers your team leaders your project leads everybody they need to understand how the plan works and where they feed into it and hence how their teams can feed into it yeah absolutely i love the i was going to say like what happens if you don't do that but then you very clearly said nothing is going to happen and uh, no, nothing's going to happen. Your plan's going to sit on a shelf and get dusty, which is, you know, that's that's the huge risk with strategic plans, right? Yeah. Um, to, putting putting together a plan without implementation in mind is, it's kind of a waste of time. It's and, and, and I say that from our experience, frankly. Um, we, you know, we've worked with a plan in the past that we didn't really have implementation in mind when we put it together. And it was really, really hard to push elements of that plan forward and even to have staff understand that we even had a plan and why did we have this document if nobody understood what it was all about. And so within that, like I hear communication of the, in addition to implementation, but also communication being a core tenant of that. Can you, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I... I think about planning really as it's it's all about internal communication. I mean, there's this there's the whole idea that, you know, planners the last thing you want to do as a planner is sit in a room by yourself and plan everything and then say, here, the plan is done. Now everybody else just has to go off and do it. It's all about communication. It's all about how you put the plan together. It's all about who you talk to, what ideas um, do other people generate, how involved do other people feel in the development of the plan itself. It's all about internal communication. It's internal communication uh, in the development of the plan. It's internal communication to launch the plan. It's internal communication when you're reporting against the plan and figuring out if the plan is actually working. Um, it's all just this continuous feedback process. And one of the things that I've really thought a lot about as a planner is what's my role? My role is to be the hub, the hub in the middle of a whole bunch of people who are all 
thinking and doing and acting and and they're bringing me inputs and my job is to make sure that everybody understands what their role is uh, within this whole planning context to communicate to each other to help them communicate and to help them understand so I, I, I can't really emphasize enough the importance of, of communicating um, making sure that people understand what their role is what we're all working towards together I love that and I can just picture you just everybody coming to you right in the middle and like if we use that same uh, doll the nesting doll example that you have the people top down giving you information you have the people bottom up giving you information and then you have you know other action figures from outside the organization that are coming in and dropping pieces of information that then you need to share with everybody but that's totally where as you as an empowered leader in that position can add value in that mm -hmm. so it's not like a cost center of saying oh I need somebody to talk it's every time they interact with you like a value exchange happens and it adds value totally. to the organization right mm -hmm. so, definitely cool so um, what other within that so we got communication as being a, a key tenant we have uh, building the plan ahead of time with implementation in mind and uh, making sure that everybody is involved in the process of creation of the plan, um, not only the creation, but also over time. Are there some mm -hmm. other risks that, you know, to avoid as they move through this process that would, you know, hold back the success of the, of the plan that we haven't mentioned? Um, I guess it's, it's kind of related to one that, that we've talked about, which is just about having stakeholder involvement in the development of the plan. Um, I talked a lot about um, having staff involved, like frontline. Get it, if you get frontline staff involved in the development of the plan, then it helps to ensure buy-in. Um, um, they can be like really confident in the plan, but it's also really important, particularly in a nonprofit context when we're working um, when we're working with the board of directors. It's really important to keep your board of directors stakeholders really involved in the plan um, all along, all, all through the whole process. Uh, there's a risk, of course, that if uh, that important stakeholders aren't going to like the plan when you present it to them, that they're, and they're not going to approve it when you give it to them. Uh, so to avoid that risk. Keep them involved, um, keep them informed along the entire process, and that means repeating your intentions for the plan. Um, what were your base assumptions with the plan? What's your process? Where are the opportunities for them to feed into the plan? Um, and every time that you do that, every time that you repeat those things, and it can it can start to feel repetitive to you as as the planner, but every time that you repeat those things, it's a chance for these major stakeholders to raise questions or to raise an objective, and so that's a chance for you to address a question or to diffuse an objection before you reach a critical delivery point with them. Hmm. Excellent. So uh, yeah, hearing the assumptions that you test assumptions, both on the, you know, you have the plan, it's how well do you understand the plan? And how well do you agree with the plan before yeah. it, it moves forward? Yeah, uh, like you, you almost want to know that the board is completely on board, that they get it. It's totally, it's good. Like all elements of the plan, like all, even down to like some of the, you know, the goals and the objectives. If you can have a discussion with them before final board approval about some of those elements and start to hear some of their questions or some of their concerns around those really important elements of the plan before it goes to full board approval, then you're basically you're, you're practically guaranteed a board approval at the end. If people have had a chance to interact with the plan, ask questions, um, and, and dive deep into it before that final board meeting to approve it, then, then, then you're gold. Cool. So maybe we can take this one step further and, and, and like down. And let's say we have an executive director, um, you know, and this is like an executive director that has to present something to a board. 
Um, mm-hmm. How can they move forward in that, you know, with like to help them make it be successful, whether that's focusing on KPIs, whether that's just getting the story straight. Um, what are some of the things that would, you know, round out that plan so that it can get it uh, approved? rubber stamp. <laughs> and I know that's a big question right there, but yeah, that's a bit of a <laughs> that's a bit of a sore point sometimes with uh with some boards and also with some staff, but um I'd say okay, if you're an executive director and you know that you need to have a strategic plan approved by a board uh within a certain within a given amount of time, I'd say first off, make sure that your board chair is totally on board and totally understands the need for a strategic plan and is totally behind the strategic plan. Again, it kind of goes back to having a coalition of people who are willing to front the plan. So you as the executive director, you're going to be fronting the plan and you're going to be demonstrating your support to the plan uh, to your organization, but the board chair needs to be demonstrating uh, his or her support for that plan um, and for the planning process to the board of directors. So your whole board needs to know why are you planning, uh, to what end, and that this is this is a directive from you know the chair, that this comes from the top. So there's value in, a, in doing the planning process. That seems like, like a little bit of a given that people would think that there is value in a planning process, but but not everybody but not everybody does really feel that there can be value in a strategic planning process. So once you're you've got the um, once you have the buy-in of your board chair and you have the buy-in of your board, then I think it um, the next step would be figuring out who on the board wants to be uh, wants to have a little bit more involvement. So um, who wants to be you know, maybe set up a subcommittee or something for, you know, a strategic planning subcommittee that would be kept in the loop along the way. So these would be the people who want to know what are the updates, um, are there any challenges that are happening, or how can we help with this, or where can we input into the more strategic questions around, um, like, overarching goals and strategies and that type of thing. Because um, if making the assumption that your entire board wants to be involved at that level, that might not be the right thing. So there might be like two or three people or, you know, maybe four or five people who really want to be involved at that more involved, that deeper level. Uh, and then checking in with them on, on a regular basis. So whether that's like every couple of months or every month, if you're running a really, uh, if you're running a shorter process and just creating the opportunity for those people to feed into the process, to ask questions and to be involved. Um, and then I'd say with that group of people doing a kind of a penultimate check-in with them before your final document goes to the entire board, making sure that you've addressed all of their questions, if they have any concerns that all of those things have been raised, uh, and then it goes, and then making sure that that group of people is ready to demonstrate their support for your plan with the actual board at the final board meeting where your plan is going to be approved. Cool. Okay. So definitely some, you know, a lot of stakeholder engagement and there is a guide to stakeholder engagement on the SME strategy website. So do look for that. Um, awesome. So I'm, I'm picturing the top. I see the plan. It looks good. We're, we're approved. And this will be maybe my final question here is let's go all the way down to the people that are implementing the project or implementing the plan in a lot of cases, volunteers. So how do you, um, do you have any tips on how to get that, that buy-in or develop that culture? Obviously, with the David Suzuki Foundation, you know, it's very, very mission-driven, um, and it's mm-hmm. very uh, visible mission. The environment is something that you care about, and you always care about it. It's not like a passing fancy. Um, but what are some of the things that you can do to um, get people to buy into that strategic plan if they're volunteers or, or you know, part-time staff? I'd say it's about um, how you launch the plan with people um, and how you actually, and also how you bring volunteers and part-time staff and, and full-time staff for that matter into the organization. So uh, I would say it's, it's about 
doing an orientation to the strategic plan to your new staff or your part-time staff, or your volunteer staff, um, doing an orientation to the plan so that they're, they know, like, what are the main elements of the plan? You know, you go through it. What's the story that this plan tells? Where can they, where does their work intersect with the plan? So how are they helping to move certain elements of this plan forward? Uh, and just taking, taking a little bit of time. I mean, it can take as little as half an hour to just sit down and go through, or even 15 minutes to go through the plan and talk about those elements with them. So it's giving them an introduction to the plan. And then this kind of applies to just staff in general, uh, but it's important to keep the plan alive over the course of, you know, the course of the lifetime of the plan. Um, so it's not enough to just, you launch the plan and say, hurrah, we have a new strategic plan. It's super exciting. And then you don't talk about it for two years. You launch the plan, you make sure that everybody knows how their work is going to be contributing to it. And then you revisit it. And part of that is kind of through reporting structures. So how are we doing in achieving our goals? How are we doing in working towards these objectives and talking about that? with your staff. So whether that's, you know, every quarter you do a quarterly update and you talk about what are some of the wins that we've had or what are some of the challenges that we're experiencing, but always it goes back to, to internal communications, communicating with your staff and be that, uh, be they regular like full-time staff, part-time staff or, or volunteers, making sure that people know where are you in the plan, how are they, how are they helping to contribute to the plan and just keeping it alive for the whole organization. That's fantastic. I love that. So it's all about communication, all about, yeah. and it gets, goes back to what you were saying, you know, get them bought in, get vis like the plan visible, keep it top of mind and keep it moving forward as you, at every single stage that you need to like, for lack of a better term, as you said, you know, hit them on the head with the plan, but also <laughs> remind them of why, why they're doing it, whether that's the board chair all the way down to, to volunteers. It, it all yeah. comes down to communication. So that's right. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Cecilia. I really appreciate uh, you taking the time. Is there, uh, how can people get a hold of you or learn more about the David Suzuki Foundation? Sure. Uh, people can check out our website. We're at davidsuzuki.org. Um, or you can send me an email, um, creyes at davidsuzuki.org. Fantastic. Thank you so much again. It's uh, been Anthony Taylor with the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, and I've been joined by Cecilia Reyes, who is the Planning and Operations Manager at the David Suzuki Foundation. Thank you so much again, Cecilia. Thanks, Anthony.